Hey, what's good, world? Thanks for checking me out on a bonus episode of It's Always Personal. I mentioned that I was going to be doing some more stuff, some more content on um, movies, movie reviews. And I've done quite a few movie reviews on here. Uh, mostly it was stuff that I, it was it was projects um, by, uh, you know, it's kind of like urban films, black movies, black films, African-American films that I really wanted to talk about. I really wanted the world to know about. And, you know, I appreciate people that check those out thought those were very important projects some of them even very powerful um but i mentioned i was going to talk about some entertainment movies and music over here on it's always personal and move some stuff some stuff off of uh youtube the pay me no mind uh, sports and entertainment channel i did do a review on this movie candy man uh, over on YouTube, I just threw it out there. Uh, I, I've been inconsistent over there intentionally. And, um, you know, I, I said a couple of things. But I did want to come back and dig a little further. I like to I, I keep it more real, keep it realer, keep it funkier. <laughs> However you want to look at it. I think my biggest statement is... I'm kind of past being ready to get the bullshit out of my entertainment, especially my movies and I guess TV shows too. Can we, can we get all the bullshit out of it unless it's really part of the story? It's really germane to the story or to the, to the telling of the story. And here in Candyman is some stuff that I just... I'm, I'm getting to the point I can't tolerate it anymore. And I really, I was on the fence about checking the movie out. But, um, you know, I, I, some of my favorite actors are some of my favorite performers are in it. And Yaya, uh, Yaya, Abdul Mateen II, Tayona Paris. I'm a huge Tayona Paris fan. I mean, huge. Uh, love sis. And Yaya, um, he was in a he was in a series, man. I keep going back to this series called. Oh no, I'm sorry. That was on. That was the the rap stuff on Netflix. Uh, he played like the bad guy in that in the short lived uh, series that was on Netflix. I can't even think of the name of it right now, um, and I apologize. But he played the bad guy on there, and the show that show was basically over with before it started. Um, so, but he's a talented guy, and it's been it's been difficult for him to have good roles, and this didn't help him out in my the get down. Yeah, his name was Cadillac in the get down, which only had two seasons, I believe, or maybe one and a half. It, it ended badly. Um, but let's talk about Candyman. I got a couple of key areas I'm gonna try to stick to: the story and the plot. Uh, the socially uh, the socially relevant issues that are front and center here and, and kind of badly handled, in my opinion. Uh, talk about some behind-the-camera stuff with the, uh, director Nia DaCosta, or DaCosta. Uh, this one was executive produced uh, by, or in, in the screenplay, was co-written by Jordan Peele, 
who's tried to, uh, you know, do some innovative things in with this, uh, with the horror genre, with previous movies, uh, Get Out and Us. I was late to the party on Get Out. Um, I liked Get Out. I thought it was cool. It was. It didn't change my world the way online made it and social media made it out to be. And then us, I just saw a lot of shit that didn't really add up, didn't really make sense. It, you know, it was it was some it was some holes in there that that bothered me, um, which really, which really uh, makes the holes here in Candyman. Try not to be too harsh. Um, I'm glad I had a gift card. I'm glad I had a gift card and I went during the matinee time. Cause I, I was very uh I was very disappointed in this movie. I'm gonna I'm keep it a buck with you. So let's get to the plot. Uh I'm not gonna give you the synopsis or whatever that you can get out there from IMDB and uh Rotten Tomatoes, the two sites that I go to a lot. Um I'll give you right here, just, uh, you know, the tomato meter on uh, RottenTomatoes.com is at 85%. That's from 235 uh, professional reviews or critics. And then there's a thousand plus uh, audience, people, everyday folks who gave this a rating. It says 74%. I think I'm very shocked. And that's, I think that's, I think the 85% on the tomato meter is because of Jordan Peele. And his appeal. Uh, I have to think that's tied to him. But uh, the 74% for the uh, for the audience score for everyday people, I'm, I, I still think that's too high, but I, I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. Another thing, go out and see the movie. You know, if you like the movie, if you like the, the Candyman mythology or legend or whatever, urban legend, whatever, go check it out. I'm in, in no way sitting here trying to discourage people from going to see what the hell they want to see. Um, I forgot what I was looking for on here. So, so getting to the, it's very hard for me. And I'm seeing some people call this great, a classic, best movie of the year. It was awesome. Oh, that's what I was looking for. It's 6.410 on IMDb right now. Um, that's fairly, that's fairly, uh, real. That's fairly realistic to me. I would probably go five and a half, five. Six would six point two probably be too high for me to be honest. I'm probably right at six, just trying to be, just trying to. You know, if you if you if you say the truth about stuff, you you call a hater. But I, a cool six, and I, you know, okay, whatever. So that's on imdb.com. Uh, the rating that it currently has six point four out of ten. That's five point. Uh, that's five five thousand eight hundred um, reviews. Or ratings, if uh, five thousand eight hundred ratings. So it's very hard for me, even though I love the the you know the two leads in um, Mateen the second and um, Tayana Paris, who play boyfriend and girlfriend uh, who live together. In um, his name is Anthony McCoy. He's a uh, budding painter. 
and then Brianna, and that's kind of cliche in itself, to be honest. Uh, Brianna Cartwright is the name of uh, Tayana Paris's character. There's very little development of either one of them. And that's what kills this movie is because it moves so quickly. And it's just, it's, it's, it's very little substance here. And maybe that's what slasher movies are all about. I don't know. Um, they live together. He's trying to get his, 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 his career in the art world off the ground. Oh, quick side note, quick side note. If you don't want to check this out, check out Really Love over on Netflix starring uh, Kofi Sirabo. I think is his name from Queen Sugar. I don't want to say excellent movie, like a hard excellent, but a really good movie. And it's crazy that Cerebo's Isaiah Maxwell and Anthony McCoy from uh, from uh, Candyman are the same damn character in a, in some ways, especially just looking at them visually same damn character same profession same stage of their career it's crazy okay so this is what just i mean this sinks the whole story is that they that as screenwriters um let me see who was you know screenwriters whose credit is jordan pill win rose rosenfeld and nia da costa they don't get these people anything to really to, they don't they don't give them anything to perform. Uh, what a waste for Abdul Mateen. I mean, his character is clueless. Is freaking clueless. He says like a, he makes a couple of decent statements in here and you want he he goes to set out to to figure out what his voice is as a painter and he, and this is when he encounters uh the the character Burks Burt, that's played by Coleman Domingo, one of my another one of my favorite guys who finally is not playing some a brother in in, in a previous era. You know, he he's been in he's been a slave in uh Birth of a Nation or whatever. Um he was the leader of the quartet in another movie that I reviewed in here uh with uh Ma Rainey's bottom down bottom blues or whatever down bottom what I, I i'm sorry it's on, it's on here as 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 a, as a movie that i reviewed but um so he goes out to figure out what his voice is and what he wants to tap into how he's going to uh take his career to the next level and that's when McCoy encounters um Burke who owns this laundromat and he tells him about the legend of Candyman I was going to do a video before this show, before it, the, the, the movie came out, asking where people were with Candyman being based on police brutality. Because that's what, in, in this movie, that's where, where Candyman, uh, the origin is that the police killed uh, this Candyman. And that's how we get that individual who returns as Candyman and is killing people. Uh, that and, I, and I'm glad I kept my mouth shut because it, it's not so much that they updated the origin story of Candyman, but we learned that Candyman has been a string of different black men who have been wrongfully killed 
by basically white authority, white people, the uh, you know white mobs, racism, white supremacy, so on and so forth. And so the brother that we met previously, Daniel Robitaille, was just one of many. And Burke runs all this down to um, to Anthony McCoy here. And so McCoy learns about all of this and goes to start painting uh, how, you know, images that he's inspired by Candyman. What led McCoy down here was the brother of Brianna. Um, was the was the was the brother who happens to be a gay brother that's this who has this white boyfriend. Uh, his name is the the actor is Nathan Stewart Jarrett. And honestly, folks, it's just not a lot of it's not a lot more here. Okay. Seriously, so getting I don't know how to you know I can't review this really without giving you these. It's it's only one or two pins holding this thing together, and you know the big reveal is that and the way that this is tied together to the 1992 original is that um, McCoy happens to be the baby that was involved in the first movie, and I didn't go back and watch that to refer. I really was never a huge, huge, huge Candyman fan to begin with. Um, but he's the baby that was apparently involved in that. But he was never told that he was from Cabrini Green Projects, which are no longer standing. And so when he goes to the, to the even though they live in this high rise where, where Cabrini Green used to be, which brings in the whole gentrification storyline, part of the storyline, he gets stung by a bee as he's going out to take photographs uh, of this, of the area where, you know, nearby where Cabrini, it looks like a lower level or lower section, a single level section of Cabrini Green used to be. He's snooping around in there trying to like tap into the, you know, the area and all the pain and struggle that was in there. And as he goes there, he's stung by a bee. Now, I guess the bee represents, you know, that's the, they poured honey or whatever on the first uh, Candyman and a swarm of bees, you know, stung him and killed, you know, all of that happened and what happened to him, how that Candyman was created. So this bee stings him in his hand and his hand starts like deteriorating. Uh, what's that flesh eating disease or some, it's some spider out there that has like a flesh eating uh, once the, the venom is flesh eating or something and your whole limb can like deteriorate or something, that's what's going on here. And again, this is another thing that just isn't handled well. This brother's arm starts looking like Candyman out of in the grave and the the, 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 the stuff, the, 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 uh, the decayed look of his arm moves all up to his forearm and to the side of his face before he finally goes to the hospital. And all they did, he leaves the hospital with a damn freshly wrapped hand. They didn't keep this brother for an observation <laughs> and tell him what the hell is going on with it. He didn't ask any questions. This is what's killing me with the, the relationship, the wasted relationship between Anthony and Brianna. All they do is really get, first she's encouraging him in, in the opening scene. And then he starts bugging out a little bit 
and and then her career hits a snag and then they kind of like break up and and, and then so 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 let me back so so let me back up so after the the the, her brother uh after brianna's brother tells them about his name is troy troy cartwright after he tells them about saying Candyman five times and then Burke echoes the same thing and and, and, and and lets there be more, you know, and provides more information about the legend. We're rolling along. People have gone into the mirror and said Candyman five times and the original Candyman starts killing people. And we only get like, it's like two scenes, two major scenes, three. It's three scenes where the killings happen. And then there's like a connection of Anthony seeing images of himself or the reflection of himself in mirrors. And it's actually um, the Candyman. And his deteriorating hand, when he raises it up into the mirror, it's the hook hand of Candyman. And so, no other way to put this, but two or three, one group of white girls, high school girls get killed for saying Candyman. They get killed immediately. And then um, this art shop owner where Brianna worked, where she was like a curator or something or whatever, uh, her boss, he gets killed. Him and his, uh, this younger uh, uh, intern, a girl that worked there that he was sleeping with, uh, they get killed. And then there's also this, there's this uh, reporter, art reporter, who attends the exhibit where Anthony's work is and she makes, she's critical of it. And then she gets killed after he goes and visits her. But all while you're watching this, even all three of those people that I'm telling you and and the group of high school girls, you can only see Candyman in the mirror. Like when they draw zoom out and show the killing actually taking place, you just see the damage and the, you know, happening to the bodies. You don't see the the body of Candyman. So that's t- that's leading me to believe that Candyman needed Anthony's physical body to like be whole again or something. I don't know where this shit is going. So anyway, trying to move this thing along, shit goes south like in five minutes. That's how this thing is. They spend this time get digging into the the mythology, and then his brother's arm is deteriorating, and then they go into, uh, they go to the resolution, or the, or the climax, and basically, Burke sees the transformation that's taking place in Anthony, Anthony goes over to him to get some answers with this skin condition rapidly worsening, and Burke is like, oh, my brother, we can return Candyman to what he to what he needs to be because with these white folks moving in and the way they've been killing brothers all these years, this is gonna be our superhero. So now they've kind of repurposed Candyman and make it where, like I said, he's only killing 
the white people. Uh, and, and so then we, it, it immediately rushes like it's like we gotta wrap this shit up. I fell asleep almost two, almost fell asleep twice in the movie, and and they, and they must have known because they like we gotta wrap this shit up very quickly. And so it just gets to this scene where Burke, William Burke, takes Anthony's messed up body, takes him to this church where Tayana, uh, where Brianna goes to to see what's going on with her man or something. And my man pulls out a saw, saws off the arm, and then shoves the meat hook up in there. And it's like, boom, we've got our new candy man. And then Burke goes to like kill uh, Brianna after she escapes and runs back to the place where Anthony was first stung by the bee. And it's a confrontation between her and Burke. She kills him. He's he's damn near harmless, really. He, he was no real threat himself. And then, um, or maybe even, uh, in this part, maybe even Anthony had come in now fully in full, you know, Candyman regalia or whatever. <laughs> he comes into the building where they're at, and maybe he killed, maybe he killed Burke. I don't know. I was ready to go at this point. But uh, whatever happened, however it happens, he falls over in um, Brianna's lap and she's like, oh shit, I wasn't there for my man. I let him get fucked up like this. He's, he's, we can't, we probably can't bring him back. This shit is too far gone. What the fuck is going on? And she's like, well, I'm just going to be here and comfort you now that you all fucked up and whatever, whatever. And this is the most disturbing and, and just low level conception this shit was just ill-conceived to me the police show up i don't know why they show up when ain't no nobody there's been no gunshots who the fuck would have called the police but the police show up and they walk in and the cop just starts firing shots to and 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 so while in the arms of, he, you know, he's not a threat to Brianna or anything, but, you know, the shots go off. They go away from who was shot or what happened. It goes, the, the screen goes black. It fades to black. And then when it comes back, they're walking Brianna out in handcuffs. She looked like a victim and you protected her from an assailant, but now she's in cuffs. They throw her in the back of the squad car. And then after refusing to say Candyman five times the entire movie and fuck out of here when she was asked to do so by her brother and when 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 Anthony was playing around with it, uh, she looks she tells the, the racist cop what's new, uh, turn the mirror to me and I'll tell you what he's give. He gives her some proposition about if you cooperate with us, you can go home tonight if you don't want to. If you don't want to uh, lie, then we can take you to jail and blame all this shit on you, you know, because cops are so, <laughs> this is the thinking of this shit, man. So anyway, she says, all right, I'll tell you what you want. Just let me look in the mirror real quick. And of course, she says Candyman five times. Like now you you can just literally summon Candyman to, to whack some white people for you, some racist white people for you. And 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 help you out. That's how you use Candyman apparently in 2021. And what what do you know? The shit works. And so Candyman gets up in the building. All of a sudden you hear ruckus or some shit going on in the building in the structure. 
he fucks those cops up and then comes out and fucks up the other cops as they start, you know, unloading on him with more guns. He fucks all them up. And then the, the cop in the car, in the vehicle with, uh, with, with Brianna, he goes to run instead of just driving the fuck off. He gets out and gets on foot on foot to try to run. And then Brianna gets her hand. She gets out of the handcuffs or some shit. It gets, gets out of the back of the car somehow. I think when he hit the unlock the doors to leave, she he let her, he let her out. And then she walks around the corner where Candyman is finishing that officer off. And then he turns around to her and tell and tells her to tell everybody and then has a full transformation from Anthony to the brother who used to play the original Candyman. What's his name? Todd, some shit. Um whatever is Todd, whatever. Or his last name is Todd. And that's how simple this shit was, man. I mean, I don't want to say this shit was trash, man, but this Tony Todd, I'm sorry. This shit was not, this shit was not deep shit. This shit was not well thought out. This shit was 91 minutes of wasting my time pretty much. And, and, and so I come back and I give you my, my, my reaction to the socially relevant bullshit that I, it's, it's time to get this shit out of, out of our, out of black, out of black movies and black films or do the shit well, you know, make it a story with that shit incorporated versus making something with the issues and having a story thrown in as part of it. If you're going to do the shit. But we don't think like that in 2021. All right, so I'm going to try to keep these socially relevant issues to a... I'm going to try to be brief with this shit. But obviously gentrification is here, which gentrification is also a part of this really love movie that I was just talking about that's available to stream on Netflix. Uh, then we also have police brutality, obviously. And then we have kind of like white death. like so. And, and then maybe even more if we kind of look at... Um, if we kind of look at um, what's going on with Brianna's career because she tries to go do something in her career and the woman like tries to pull a fast one on her or some shit and we also learned that some that her father was a was a was an artist Brianna and Troy's father was an artist and um and then um you know we also have the the the, the uh, a gay black man uh, you know a gay uh black man um as a as a as a significant character in the movie. I don't really have a problem with this, but this is what this is what this stuff is this this is what these characters are starting to make me feel like the only way you can get your movie done, the only way you can get your movie created is if you have this figure, this archetype in the movie. And I'm saying this because you watch a lot I watch a lot of white movies and I don't see nearly as many. So if there's 35 white movies to every one, maybe it's maybe it's 18 white movies to one black movie that that's the output for the year. 
you can see those 18 white movies and I might see one or one or two gay characters, maybe. Uh, but we get our we get our one black movie. And it has the gay black dude in it. Uh, and then on top of that, like I said, Anthony as the male, as the lead male, the dude is fucking clueless. He does nothing to figure out his own shit until it's way too late. Uh, so uh, is, is this this shit ain't no good. This shit isn't a good look for uh for 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 heterosexual black men. It's just not. Uh, the white dev. I, I mentioned this with Jang, Yang, Django Unchained. How they just had that really corny ass scene about the KKK and just made them really incompetent. And they shot them all up or some shit, or they 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 did some shit that was completely unrealistic, and there was no way in hell that it could have been done back in that day. And it's like they went in, and and Quentin Tarantino went and made a decision that I'm gonna do to the KKK what I always what I think about them in 2020 or 2018 or whenever Django came out. Um. And so it's like this, 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 this commonplace or, or a common thing to uh, to just overdo it when it's like overcompensation or some shit. But in here, like I said, all, all the only characters who get slashed up are white characters. The reporter who made this 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 nasty remark about. She tried to make black people or uh, she tried to make black artists have some ownership in gentrification. And and, and that really, uh, Anthony really bristled at what she said to him. But what I'm tapping into, what I'm zooming in on here that really kind of fucking turned me off was the white kids. It was a rich white girl, a younger white girl, I think, who was at the art exhibit, at Anthony's art exhibit. And was really, uh, really took a liking to his 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 uh, his piece, and so she go. And I don't even know what her. This was just thrown in there, like she didn't even have any ties to Anthony other than being at the at the at the at the uh, exhibit or the show. But she goes to school and tells her four friends, "Let's all get in the mirror and say Candyman five times, and you know, let's do this challenge." And the fucked up thing to me, like I said, when they I, I see a little bit of overreaching here is like they they get to three or four, maybe three, and the lone Asian girl that was with them is like fuck fuck out of here, I'm gone, and she she bails out, so only the white girls stay behind and get killed. And then that same scene, it was in it was in this high in their high school bathroom, a black girl comes into the uh, into the uh, the bathroom, the restroom, and. She's in a stall when all four or five of them get beheaded and chopped up and disemboweled and all that shit. And you hear all the slashing and it happens to them. And, you know, she's spared. And so, again, it's like we're going to fix all our problems and all this, this, all these years of oppression and all this unfair shit and all the black people, which is only one black person in, in, the, in the movies in the 80s and the 70s. But that black person, you know, not lasting five minutes into the movie or whatever, that's kind of stereotyping that or overgeneralizing that. But now we just gonna, we gonna make up for all that shit. 
So that was another thing that is okay, bro. Like I see what you're doing, but and and keep in mind, you know, this is neat. This is Nia DaCosta's, uh, you know, her. This is her show here as director and co-writer. Um, then the police brutality. Like I said, they didn't really, they didn't have the police shoot <laughs> uh, a violent. Unarmed black man or a black man who was just threatening them uh, but was unarmed. Like he was on the ground, fucked up, and the cop just walked in and started shooting while in her arm. So I don't even know how that happened that this fucking dude is that great of a shot to squeeze off four or five rounds and hit this brother up and not touch her at all. But that's what they did. And it's just, it's overdoing it in my opinion, but that's the choice that they made. And then lastly, with the whole gentrification thing, um, I don't know, man, like I'm ready for a more mature discussion on gentrification. I guess I got to go the documentary route, but, it, but this seems like something to me that it's a hot topic, but I, I don't necessarily know how it impacts or affects the lives of everyday black people in a lot of situations. So it's just this, it's just this talking point. Shout out to my man, Sky Zoo, who just put out an album kind of around gentrification in Brooklyn. Um, but I, I, I understand that black people get displaced or, or, uh, and I was thinking to my, I was thinking this out to myself the other day, cause we had some, we had a, a, a much smaller version of that here locally in Dayton, Ohio, but it displaces these people. But the thing that I'm seeing here is like this happens because a lot of these areas have great infrastructure or they're like centrally located. So to set up the commerce and the nightlife, the, the restaurants and the, the dining and maybe some um, some art, some theaters and, um, you know, where people can dine outdoors and, and, and walk around with open containers and all of that type of shit and, and have this that type of lifestyle or that type of uh, offering to the, to the citizens. The way that the, the, these downtown areas and certain areas were set up, that's the best place to do that, to, to create that scene. Um but I, I'll jump ahead. My, my bigger thought on it is I don't know what can be done about this. Um, and I, but I think like right now might be from the, from this point moving forward. And maybe this has been underway for a few years now is with all the information that's out there and wealth building, establishing wealth, uh, black home ownership, black wealth, uh, and and just making smarter financial decisions and all of this type of stuff. Um, increase home ownership and, and all of these things. Maybe there's some kind of some some change here in the future. But again, back in the day, especially in an area like Dayton, Ohio, and then like in areas of New York City, who who could have afforded to own homes? And are, are people losing homes that the family actually owned or a generation 
actually own. And I just don't think that deeper conversation is being had in any of these movies that just keep throwing gentrification out there. Gentrification. And so, I don't, like I said in an earlier podcast, like the brothers don't have a corner to hang out on anymore, you know, or whatever. Like, what's the bigger issue? And let's dig into that versus just complaining about an area that we really didn't take care of and now it's been repurposed by the, you know, by the others. So, uh, again, this shit is, is, is given to you, it's force-fed to you versus it, like, really being, like, inside or underneath or, you know, infused into the story the story kind of happens around it and it's just like, okay, well, make a documentary on the shit then. That's kind of where I am with that. I don't know. All right, then lastly, uh, so let's talk about a couple of behind-the-camera things. Uh, Again, you know, Jordan Peele, it has made it, you know, his, he's carved out his lane and that's what he wants to focus on is the horror genre. And again, one aspect of, of doing so is to right the wrongs that happened in the 70s and the 80s when, when African-American or black characters appeared in movies and, you know, were poorly represented. Okay. Um, okay. So, you know, he's... He his name gets this whole thing moving, uh, but what happens here is Nia DaCosta. I'm hoping it's Nia and not Naya, and then DaCosta. Um, she's made history this weekend with having a num- the the first movie to be number one uh, to end up number one um, in, in in box office receipts at 22.4 million dollars. Uh, she's the first black woman to do this. I thought Ava DuVernay had done this, uh, but I, you know, I, I was wrong. Um, and then to think to do it with um, 22.4 million, but it is late August, which isn't the best. Is you know, it traditionally hasn't been that great uh, in in terms of blockbusters and big first week opening weekend numbers and whatnot. Uh, but shout out to her. Another thing, interesting thing, is that she will be doing. She will be handling. The sequel to Captain Marvel, which is called The Marvels. And uh, honestly, man, it's going to be interesting to see how she transitions. Like I said, some things, there were some misses in here that that bothered me significantly. And I would, you know, you're taking on a, a, a Marvel project or property. You know, you got to get, you can't have those types of misses. So um, we'll see what happens with that. But um, shout out to her on this accomplishment. Again, I, I, I've, I've referenced the the the, the uh, I heard Eric LaSalle, actor, writer, director, and producer Eric LaSalle. Uh, I heard him speak on the the sequel for Coming to America. And one thing that he said, one gem that he dropped in this this interview that I heard, he was like, despite how bad and how trash and how terrible. We think some of these movies and, and, and games and performances and albums, d- despite how trash we in the public think these things are, like the people that made them did not set out to make a bad project. 
I think they really wanted to do right by Candyman, and they thought this was the perfect source material to make all that happen. But uh, it just didn't come together for me on the screen. And like I said, this this uh, cast is one of my. Uh, I mean, I like several of these people: Coleman Domingo, uh, Tayana Paris, Yaya uh, Abdul Mateen II. Um, it was another lady in here, uh, the one award winner. She has the African name. She's in, on in treatment right now. No, that's a different movie. Shit, I'm thinking about really love. Um, I guess that was it on here. It was just Yaya and Tayana. And then Coleman Domingo. I guess it was those were the big three for me. Um, but, um, and, and so with the $22.4 million, the two articles that I was reading on, you know, Hollywood Reporter or whatever, uh, IndieWire, was that it was only projected to win about, I mean, to uh, earn about $15 million and, uh, you know, both articles said they out they beat that by nearly 50 percent. So, uh, you know, half of uh, 15 is seven. It came in at twenty two point four. So, you know, they like these big numbers like that. They make they, they mean something. But um, another thing that's interesting in this indie wire piece that's written by Tom Bay O'Benson um, is that with Jordan Peele's name being the one that was put up in the shiny lights, you know, it takes away from the fact that DaCosta uh, directed this. She was one of the co-writers for the screen, the screenplay or the, or the script. And uh, a lot of credit, you know, was instantly thrown at, um, was, was thrown at Jordan when in fact it should be, uh, you know, she should, she deserves a lot of the credit in DaCosta. I would say for me as, as, as underwhelming as the project was for me, I wouldn't be too mad about who gets credit for this. You know, you might be getting credit for dropping the ball here in, in, in some, you know, in, 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 in some regard. So, um, you know, we'll see how things go, man. Again, I'm like I said, man, I'm not on here trying to bash this stuff or bash this just for the sake of bashing it. Um, I did not enjoy this outing to the movies, and I thought it I thought it could have been better. And um, you know, we'll see what happens with this this Marvel's movie, The Marvels. Um, so that's kind of it. It's always personal. I would love to know what you thought about it. You know, and if you you think I'm being harsh, and like I said, man, you get some people under 30, some people under 25 that, that that go see these movies, and you hear their the way they accept anything given to them, unless it's a vaccination. You don't know what the hell you hear, but this this just was not great cinema for me. My name's Wood. See you next time I'm around. Peace.